Hello, I'm Lisa Kay. And I'm Taylor Cole Longacre. And this is Intentional Talk. Intentional Talk, a show that cares and brings positives to the air. We are so grateful to be here today with Stefan Larry. Thank you for being with us. You are a business coach. You're a speaker because you actually are recently going to be part of the Speak Up stage on Amazon Prime Video. Thank you for that. A trainer. Um, You are a patented inventor. Yes. (laughs) We want to hear about that as well. Definitely. (laughs) And and a coach and a mentor, a leader. And so thank you so much for being with us on Intentional Talk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. We would love to hear briefly a bit about your story and really what brought you to the stage. Well, um, my story is uh, one of the, I call it the Disney like stories. I met a coach in a gym as a you know, as a young man who grew up in the inner city of Houston, a single mom, family of seven. Um, we grew up in Third Ward. Uh, I knew George Floyd um, because of uh, uh, basketball. You know, the uh, sports kind of bring people together when you're in communities. And so um, I had an opportunity um, to meet a coach. A um, long time ago, back in 1986, I'll never forget it. I uh, was playing at a gym, and this coach came up to me and asked me, um, who was I? Where did I go to school? Things like that. And I was at a, uh, a very powerhouse school back then. We, we had just won the state championship at Madison High School in Houston. And uh, he asked me, have I ever been to a basketball camp? And I told him no. And he invited me to Pistol Pete Maravich's basketball uh, camp, which is a Hall of Famer. And uh, at Pistol Pete's camp, uh, my life just changed. The first thing was he taught me the greatest lesson that I, that I hold dear to my heart. It's engraved in my heart today. My business model is built after it. It's building character t- through athletics. Um, I was kind of a wild child. I wasn't a bad kid, but I was a competitor. You know, you live in the inner city. It's it's yeah. it's you know fight to death. You know, <laughs> <laughs> king of the mountain, king of the hill. It's about just being the best. And so I was pretty competitive. And uh, went to this camp in Florida, and it was a great camp. We went undefeated. Um, I was the best player there. And he asked to have. Uh, lunch with me and of course an inner city kid who never met a professional player never thought about professional uh, athlete or whatever um, asked to have lunch with me and I was elated I was like wow <laughs> Pistol Pete Maravich wants to have lunch with me one on one unfortunately this excitement uh, about this lunch turned into one of the most devastating th- uh, times of my life oh. he told me uh he said, I, I wanted to have lunch with you because I wanted to explain something to you. He said, I give out a Most Outstanding Player Award every year, every camp. And he said, you're by far the best player in this camp. Wow. Your team has been undefeated. But I have to tell you, I won't be giving you won't this award. I won't be giving you the award. Oh. And I thought, wow, uh, I was devastated. Devastated. Never, you know, uh, won something like that. So it was like he's taking something from you. Mm. And he explained that he wasn't giving it to me because my character did not fit the award. Mm. And I didn't know what that meant at that time. Being an inner city kid, you just, you know, you, you survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And the character part of it, no one's ever told me about my character. And so that led to that night closing out camp. Uh, Pistol Pete kind of was a guy that lived on the edge himself as a Hall of Fame, uh, as an NBA player. And so he shared his testimony, shared a story uh, about how he almost lost his life because of his big mouth. Mm. And something hit me. And as a 17-year-old kid, I, I cried. And he offered uh, an opportunity for someone, if anyone, needed to come to know Christ. And it was that night, June 18, 1986, that I became a Christian at a basketball camp. And after that moment, uh, it was like the lights had finally come on for me on what life really was all about. Um, We got back and and my, my environment was it was not a comfortable environment anymore because I saw sin for sin for the first time. Mm. It was acceptable when you grow up in inner city. You mm. grow up around drugs and alcohol and sex and and uh, crime and whatever. It's just acceptable because you know it's wrong lawfully. Yeah. You don't know it's wrong spiritually. Yeah. 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 And so the spiritual, the scripture that talks about your spiritual enlightenment, that happened for me. So the lights that came on about who I was, what I should do, my desires. And uh, that desire led me to a time to go back to the gym, saw Coach again, and Coach asked me uh, about going to a Christian school that he coached at. And I went out to visit this Christian school, and he took me to a five o'clock in the morning prayer meeting, which I never experienced <laughs> that before in my life. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? <laughs> it was all the working adults, Christian uh, husband and wives, praying for the day to go well. Uh, powerful thing that I think we can still use in today's society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The church is missing things like that. We take those things for granted. Anyways, this right after the prayer, this lady came up to me. She was white. I'm black. I was a little intimidated. And she said, what is, this, what is a young man like you doing at our prayer meeting? And I said, uh, I'm with him. <laughs> I didn't really know what to say. Yeah, and you always wonder what does someone mean when they say something like yeah. a person like you. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What is, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> taken back by it all, but and in in an angelic voice, she said to me, "It was like God speaking to me Himself." Mm-hmm. She said, "I don't know why you're here." But I felt like God told me to offer you a place to live. Oh, wow. Goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And in that moment, I, I was stunned. I didn't know. You know, I was a new Christian from the camp. This was just like a month or so, a month later. And it was all new to me. And to tell me that God told you something really <laughs> was like... Huh? <laughs> he does, God talks to you. Kind of, kind of shocked you. <laughs> I was shocked. I was really shocked. I have experienced that before. <laughs> Paralyzed shock, like uh, not able to move. But the most fascinating thing happened after that. Um, 
I got to uh, visit the school, and then I went over to their house to have dinner. And what I didn't know, God kind of orchestrated all of this. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. My own understanding was getting weeded out. (laughs) God was on to something, right? Yeah. Uh, He would make all your crooked paths straight. And my crooked path was straightening out without me even knowing it. Mm. I walk in this house and I meet the three kids, uh, boys, Billy, Jacob, and Scott. Unfortunately, we've lost uh, Billy this past year. But um, I walk in there and they were at the Pistol Beat camp. Oh. <laughs> um, and uh, they were like, oh, you're going to be our big brother? And I'm thinking... <laughs> I'm just in shock. Oh, wow. I'm in shock. <laughs> and I meet Dave Johnson, who's, you know, dad. And uh, Dave was actually at the prayer meeting, but he was running out to beat the traffic in Houston to get to downtown for work. And so I didn't get to meet him at that point. Uh, and then this wonderful, wonderful little girl, Jessica Johnson. Jessica about eight years old, runs up to me, jumps in my arms, kisses me on the cheek, hugs my neck, wow. and tell me she loves you, loves me, and asks me, was I going to be her brother? Wow. <laughs> Imagine an inner city kid, black kid, walking into a home where such love and mm. such uh, invitation, hospitality, such care, and uh, what I call intentive love. They intended to love me like they were their very own. <laughs> Intentional yes, talk, yes, right? Yes, yes. Intentional. Purposeful. Yes, mm. absolutely. So that, when that was uh, an amazing moment. It, that happened mm-hmm. that year. My, that year just changed the course of my life. I went from a pass and get by student to a 4.0 student. Uh, I got a college scholarship to play basketball at Liberty University. Played, tried to play a little professionally in Globetrotters overseas, but knee surgeries kept me from doing that. Found my uh, purpose in being a coach, and uh, that's a story, too. I met church one day, and I'm lifting my hands, praising the Lord, and, and, and this person comes up to me afterwards and said, hey, you remember me? And it was the principal of the school that, uh, that I went to. Oh. And he, um, he said, I said, oh, of course, uh, Mr. Tankersley. And he asked me, uh, what was I doing? And I told him I just got to try to play professional ball and had done some mental health work, and, but I uh, was looking for my next step in life. And he said, well, would you like to be a coach? Wow. <laughs> and, and I thought, uh, well, I'd never been a coach. <laughs> but uh, let's talk. Let's see what it's about. And, and wow. coach led to athletic director, teacher of math, history, Bible, uh, coach junior high flag football, <laughs> junior high basketball, boys, girls, high school, boys, girls. I mean, I had like 10 jobs. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> and, so, and so that's how my coaching career started. And it's been 27 years now that I've been in coaching through coaching in college. I even went back to my alma mater, Liberty, in uh, 2002. 
left left my high school, God kind of took me in circles, right? So I go back to my high school, mm-hmm. build a program there. We win football state championship, basketball state championships. I get a call from uh, my coach, and it was my assistant coach in college. He was back at Liberty. Hey, would you come and uh, help us build this program? I go back to Liberty. We, uh, in two short years, we win the conference. We're in the NCAA tournament. I go from there to two different other universities, Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida and Texas A&M International. After those journeys, I got into the NBA business, did a little training and agent work in the NBA business, and just finding myself at a place where I just wanted more for myself and wanted to impact more than just, you know, running around with a bunch of NBA spoiled players, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to do something more, and I knew I loved kids. I knew I loved coaching and inspiring people and encouraging people. And so I started my own business, uh, Reaching New Heights Basketball Program, the Shooting Stars AAU aspect of it. The training in that and um, uh, through my training, uh, just watch the techniques that I was using. I don't know where it came from. This is a God's thing, man. Mm -hmm. So much bigger than me. This is so much bigger than me. I'm watching kids do some techniques that I just learned along the way, using angle weights and bands and a thing called the jump sole. And I'm looking at it, and when they have it on their feet, I'm thinking, that looks like a boot. And that thought led to me um, researching, uh, is there anything out like that? And there wasn't. And so I went through a patenting process. I went back to Liberty. Oh, oh back to Liberty, yes. I'm actually going back in October to speak at the School of Engineering about the patent process and invention. And I'm thinking, me? <laughs> <laughs> my dad, my dad, my, my dad, my adopted father, he's an engineer. And I and, and I get I get this call and I tease him. I call Pops and say, hey, Pops, I just got invited to speak to the School of Engineering. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> this kid who was not educated, like disciplined, wild-haired kid in the inner city, man, and I'm uh, here. I am inventing something. So to even think about writing all of the stuff that you have to write uh, to get a patent. Yeah. Um, I say that this is, there's, they award you a number through the patent process once you get the patent. Mine is US 993737-4B2, which is 9 Memorized. million, <laughs> 9 million, only 9 million patents have in been all. given out in all of history. Yeah. And I'm one of them. <laughs> and that meant something to me because I grew up in a family where frequently my brothers and siblings in and out of jail and I know your, your about the jails so yes yeah. my, I know about the jail system numbers you're stamped with numbers mm-hmm. so that number became very meaningful to me when I when I got that patent um, and then I just recently wrote a book and I I, I, I connected <laughs> with my I connected with my English teacher and I said you wouldn't even believe it I just wrote a book. <laughs> 
it's good. it's a book that uh, probably will be about 175 to 200 pages. She could barely get me to write one page in really? high school. <laughs> <laughs> What's the title of your book? It, the title is They Call Me Couch. Ah. And it's it's going to be, uh, it, it's an inspirational book. Uh, I wanted to inspire people about my journey. And I wanted to brace the subject of race. Uh, being a, a black kid, an African-American kid who grows up in inner city for 17 years, and I endured the drugs, the alcohol, the gangs, the violence. I'm the only one to graduate from my high school. I understand the lack of education, the lack of structure. As a 13-year-old, I was thrown up against the wall with a gun pointed at mm. me, thinking that I committed a crime because I ran after I heard the bullets. You mm. know, I've, I've seen it all. I've... I've seen all of that. I lived through that, and someone of another race loved me yeah. and helped me become who I am today. And so, and in my book, I talk about race, and I have it's called a chapter that's called "The Tale of Two Cultures," my world that I lived in as an inner city kid, and my world that I lived in as a loved kid that I didn't know my race anymore. I didn't mm. see color anymore. I lived in a white world where it was seemed red because it was love. Mm. And the way they love me until even till today, um, I see mom and, and my sisters and brothers, it's a warm embrace and a, and a hug and we, they just love on me, right? And so my book, I have a chapter about uh, you know, race relations and, and the power of love. I have it in the Limelight magazine, it's coming out in September. I wrote a topic on um, the uh, uh, power of love. Um, that's going to be neat when that comes out. Um, you know, I'd really just you know find myself now. Um, the coronavirus hits, and I find myself uh, you know just taking a different approach. You know, we, as a basketball coach, we always talk about pivoting, catching the ball, establishing yeah. a pivot foot. <clears throat> and uh, I, I tell people that you know now you know we and as you become innovative and creative and in, in, in helping people get better, like my shoe, we talk about shifting. Mm. And so for me, I feel like I'm in a pivot and shift mode to where I think it's an optimum time for me to share my story of how I overcame, you know, being an inner city kid and uh, non-directional, non-structured, non-disciplined, non-educated young man, that when you take advantage of an opportunity that, you know, you can do, you know, whatever God uh, has in store for you to do. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 spells it out plainly. Mm -hmm. We all know it, but do we truly believe that God has a purpose for yeah. us, right? Yeah. A plan to, to give us hope in a future and not to harm us. Every time something wrong happens, we think God is harming us. Yeah. It goes completely and totally against Scripture for him to do that. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm embarking on a new journey of... Uh, speaking and uh, just wrote my book. I want to speak Excellent. and share my message in my book about if I can, you can. 
uh, there are seeds of greatness and planted on the inside of all of us. Yes. And we have to water those seeds. We have to fertilize those seeds. We gotta, we gotta even cut them back. Yes. You know, that takes some cut. You have to prune <laughs> so them, right? So that we can grow. Prune, yeah, so we can grow. <laughs> Sometimes we get to that process where we gotta prune and we're not ready to prune or don't want to prune and we get stuck. Mm. You gotta prune to keep flourishing, keep glowing, keep blooming. And so, um, that's that's what I I want to get my shoe out. It's an exciting product. Uh, I've met with several. I'm even embarking on the medical industry with the product because I think uh, I've gotten met with several doctors who think the tool, the mechanics, the techniques of, of the shoe that I created may be able to help people walk again. Oh, wow. And That's so incredible. my mom my mom says uh, this, this, this shoe is the pool of Bethesda. Oh, yes, a healing, a healing shoe. <laughs> yeah, I was in Israel too. last year were and went really? to the pools. Oh, yes, were so you? Just, wow. Yes, you want to put your uh, feet all she over it. She said they're going <laughs> to step into that shoe. And it, <laughs> <laughs> Stephon, you've had a... Angels around you yes. since a child. Yes. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, I, I, I also share my book, though. Um, there, there's a lot that I had to overcome, especially in writing this book. Um, I, 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 people know some aspects of Stefan Leary's life, but they don't know the inner hurt of Stefan Leary, you know. Uh, so I write about that in my book and, and trying to help people understand this wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and still today is not easy, right? Yeah. I, I'm a divorced man, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I've, I've hurt mm-hmm. and I've been through disappointments. It's not about what happens to you because God can take broken pieces and put them back together. Yes, he can. I was a broken and still am. I tell people I'm, I'm a broken man, mm-hmm. that God is putting the pieces back together. Mm-hmm. I lived a life from zero to 17 as an inner city kid surviving, trying to be someone. I became a Christian and from 17 to, I'm 51 now, I lived the life of a Christian who never dealt with zero to 17. Oh, oh wow. And so just recently for me in the inventing process, I would drive to Virginia. And that drive I called, I told my mom, I said, hey mom, I called, I said, hey mom, pray for me, I'm going on one of my God journeys. (laughs) Because in that car, when I was driving, it was like God was sitting in that seat talking to me. And, And one of the things he revealed to me was that I had a wounded child in me. Mm. And so when you say, you know, I've, I've, I've done a lot of things on the outside where people think, man, you've had a great life. But I became from an abused father who abused my mom and abused us as kids. And my mom fleed from the abuse. We actually grew up in Louisiana. And uh, in the middle of the night, my mom threw us all in the car and drove to Houston, Texas. I, I, this is in my book, and I walk outside and I, I, I scream and yell because I thought I was lost or dreaming. Mm-hmm. And we ran back inside, and my mom sat us all down and That's told funny. us that we were in a new city, in mm-hmm. a new state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I never dealt with that mm-hmm. abused child, and I never dealt with the neglect part of the abused child. When I was 
got into sports, I never went to see my dad. And so my dad, I grew up thinking my dad didn't like me. And sports saved my life. I got my identity in sports. But when sports started to go bad for me, when the injuries and everything, and I had to come to grips with life, my coaching took over. Mm. My success is winning championships in almost everything, every sport I coached with, and win a championship. So I was getting my identification from there. Mm -hmm. Recently in writing this book and recently in inventing this patent, God took me on a journey to get to know me. And it's been a painful journey, I'm telling you. <laughs> Most often it is, though. Most often it is. It's been a painful journey. I, I, and I, I smile. I'm happy. I'm blessed in so many ways. But God is putting the pieces back together inside of me that have been, you know, abused, neglected, rejected. And people just didn't know that I dealt with that. I even had fears. People you, just don't know it because I was an athlete. <laughs> do you feel like writing your book has been a cleansing process for you? <laughs> I can't even tell you. As you sigh yeah, and I can't even release, tell you. yes. <laughs> so I wrote a lot in this towards writing the book. Probably into probably about five or six years ago, I started the process. Okay. I hit a wall. I put it down. Came back to it just recently. And even as recent as the COVID, when COVID hit and I shut down my basketball program, I found myself thinking, what are you going to do now? (laughs) And I had a friend, a very dear friend, who came to visit. And she said, she wrote this down and put it on a piece of paper, taped it above my computer, and it says, pivot, shift, pivot, and serve God. Oh, wow. shift, pivot, and serve. To, traditionally, you would think of that only in basketball. Yeah, only in but basketball. It, it, all, it all goes back all to the Lord. Ba- it all goes back, right? <laughs> and so I didn't know she did it. She left. And then she came and visited her day and then left. I go to sit at my computer and I look at it. <laughs> And she wrote all over my vision board. It was like she was an angel. Yeah. She dropped in to say, get to work. Yes, yeah. And you've got the time on your hands yes. now to do it. Yeah, I had this vision board, and I said on my vision board, finish the book. And she wrote under this, it should already be done. Get it done. <laughs> and I find myself all alone in my house, all alone, thinking, okay, what are you going to do, man? <laughs> You're going to sit around here and waste away, or are you going to get to work? And I got to work. And I interviewed publishers, and publishers was like, hey, there's so much more inside of you. You got to write. You got to write. Just let it write. Flow. Let it flow. It's hard and I, I didn't know that I had an emotional block. Yeah. I had an emotional block. There were, there were subjects I just could not go there with. And I got stuck. And then, and then I went back and read it and looked at what I had wrote. And there were so many significant parts of my life that, that was only like one page. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it, 
just occurred to me, I, I couldn't finish because I was I had an emotional block. I couldn't go there. Had you ever gone to counseling or had you ever really talked with anyone about your journey and especially that zero to 17? I have. And I recently um, met with a mentor, a chaplain by the name of Brad Morgan, who was on our basketball team. I asked to have lunch with him recently. And um, and he was one of the ones that he said stuff. He says, you have poured into people your whole life. It's time for you to be poured into. Mm-hmm. And for that, for me, was him, my friend that came in town, uh, my former coach from high school that founded me. I have a good relationship with him still. He called me to check on me. Little things that God started just throwing at me, like get to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people need you. Mm-hmm. To, people need you to see this finish. And then my brother, uh, my adopted brother Jacob, when the George Floyd thing happened, and uh, I'm gonna tear up on this one. <laughs> I got a text, and I'm already in prodding mode. Get to work. You know. Steph, it's time. It's time. He sends me a text. He says, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, I'm like, nothing. What's up? He said, your nephews would like to ask you some questions. They're a little confused about what happened with George Floyd. And in that moment, it occurred to me, Steph, it's time. Mm. People need to hear, you know, the power of God, I know. <laughs> the power of God and what he can do in a life of someone that just submits their life to him. Mm-hmm. And um, I told him, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. And our good friend, Dee Dee, um, had just spoken in a women's conference with uh, Crystal Richardson, who's one of the speakers, yeah. was doing a solidarity thing. And she said, Stefan, you have to go on there. I said, okay, sure, set me up. And a a church called. And I was getting calls from other people, and I thought, okay, it's time. And then I sat down, and I wrote the book. I sat down to visit those chapters again. And through tearful, tearful days and nights, I wake up the next day, and I got I go from 30-something thousand words to 40,000 words, from 40,000 words to 50,000 words. It just started just flowing, But But it was pain coming out. Mm. It was, it was. I love um, Tasha Cobb's song. Is, yes. It, it, it has become my, my, uh, my go-to song, Gracefully Broken. Gracefully Broken. <laughs> I heard that song and I thought, <laughs> My heart mail, you was in yes. my heart mail because yes. this song, Gracefully Broken, and uh, I listened to I put on the iPod, listened to that song, and just tearfully just, I, I wrote it. And uh, signed with a publisher, and uh, maybe in the next two to three weeks, we're going to have a book. And it's just, <laughs> I'm amazed by it. I'm humbled by it, you know, to know that God can use, you know, someone like me 
And um, we need to have you back on when your yeah. book is ready. Uh, yeah. And then you've also raised some some very poignant comments on yeah. unity, race, and love. Yes. Where we, we definitely want to continue our we'll conversation love that. We'll with love you that. on that. Yes. yes. Anytime. You guys call me anytime. I'll give you my phone number, email. I'm available anytime. I'm in Houston, and uh, Dallas is a short drive. I've got tons of friends that uh, live up here, so I'm always up for a road trip, me and God. Absolutely. My passenger. (laughs) Well, and and Stefan, you've mentioned Jeremiah 29, but is there a life verse? Is there one verse or uh, some verse that you uh, would reference as part of your journey that's been particularly My my life verse for me um, has always been Romans 12, 1 and 2, and it's been because I've wanted to encourage others about turning their hearts and lives to God and finding out what purpose he has for them. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, when even when I was playing basketball, I would sign my name and put that verse underneath it. It says, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable will of God is. And that verse means so much to me because I needed to have a transformed mind. Mm. We have to renew our mind. There's so much of what happens to us is that the enemy tries to get in our heads to make us think that we're not good enough. I've been there. Uh, To tell us that we are failures, right? We can't be used because we've been broken or hurt or unloved, neglected, rejected, abused, all of it is baloney. Mm -hmm. There's a God that loves you who has a purpose for your life Mm -hmm. if you would just not conform to the ways of this world. And, 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 And as we look at the world and all the things that's happening now, it's the world feeding our minds yeah. that's yeah. making us feel this anger and resentment exactly. and bitterness. And we've got to allow our minds to be transformed mm-hmm. so that God can use us in a way in which he desires to. And often it takes a release. We yes. absolutely have to submit to the Lord, absolutely. resist the devil, and, and let him flee yeah. so, that, so that we can actually begin that process of doing that. Absolutely. And, and you're a coach and mentor and a trainer. Do you find yourself helping to walk people through that process when they are stuck in pain or stuck in not identifying the pain? One of the tremendous blessings for me has been a coach. That's why I wrote the book. Some people told me, "Eh, you need to write the book on the achievements, the the NBA agent, the former player. And I said, nah, I, I think this is my first book. And the reason why I wanted it to be my first book was because it's the coaching that has made me who I am. And I tell my players today and the families that I've had the opportunity to be a part of their lives, there's no me without you. And so I'm only who I am because of them. And my goal was in every kid that came to my class as a teacher, uh, to my uh, team, uh, part of my message and, and my speak speech is going to be uh, get in the game. Because I believe in everyone. 
I, I just believe everyone can do it. Uh, if you can't shoot, it's teaching you how to shoot so that you can shoot. Mm. It's not I can't. It's positional things that we fall into that makes us think we're identified by those things that as a coach, it's up to me. As a trainer, it's up to me. See, coaching is one thing. Training is another. Mm. Training is a to, to, to work at the skill to get there, mm. right? Coaching, I could just say words to you. <laughs> because you've already been trained, right. and now I'm just guiding you and exactly. reminding you what you already exactly. know. So it's, i got to train you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my training methods, uh, you know, when I'm even developing skill or developing, you know, uh, people, they're training methods that, you know, Scripture-related in terms of word, um, helping people understand mindset, helping them understand overcoming emotions, the power of belief. You know, one of my favorite verses is, is for Philippians 1 6. He that began the good work in you is faithful to the completed That's and to the dead. Verse. Jesus yes. Christ. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> God is going to do his part. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to do your part. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, listen, you can do this. You can do this. And so. It, it has been a tremendous. Um, it has been a tremendous humbling experience for me to even call myself a coach because that's what I'm trying to get. Tell people I'm not perfect. I just I just want to help you get beyond the things that's holding you back from fulfilling God's purpose yeah. in your mm-hmm. life. Definitely. Yeah. And there's some fundamentals that, of course, we, we learn. I went to basketball camp a lot yeah. in Oklahoma. Awesome. And there's some fundamentals that we all need to equip yes. ourselves with just to yeah. navigate through this life. Yeah. But having someone who can come alongside us yeah. as a coach to remind us and to encourage us, lift yeah. us up uh, into where we need to be. Yeah. Your, your story has just been Unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you. We we greatly appreciate Um, you. So looking forward to your book. Thank you. So you feel that'll be out when? Yeah, I'm meeting with the publishers in Dallas tomorrow to like go over the edits. Okay. So the edits once the edits done, it's It's ready to print. And so I maybe the next Two to two to two to three weeks, maybe we might have a book out. So, okay. Well, we will be anxiously awaiting that. Yes, yeah, we love that. We want to continue our conversation with you um, on a number of levels. Of course, with your book, yeah. we want to talk more about race and unity, yes. and then also unpack more of your incredible story for our listeners on on multiple platforms. Sure. Thank you, Stefan. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank yes. You.